You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. When there's a one-day sharp drop or a two-day sharp drop, it bounces back really quickly. And to me, that tells me that, you know, the collective, whoever they are out there, and, you know, it's, it's the collective, they could be retail all the way to, you know, extremely wealthy, sophisticated traders and investors. They're buying the sell-offs, and that's, that's characteristic of a bull market. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Thank you for tuning in. Today's show is brought to you by Arcana Silver Corporation. And if you're an avid follower of this channel, perhaps you noticed that I was out at the mine site there in Ure, Colorado recently. I visited it on August 5th and 6th and produced a 40-minute site tour video. If you haven't seen that, I would encourage you to click the link in the show notes below and check out that video. One of the things that came across to me is the exploration potential of this mine. As we've been featuring this company over the past few months this year, uh, one of the feedback I have gotten from some listeners are, Bill, it looks good, but it, it seems kind of small. And so one of the things you'll see in this site tour video is that the feasibility study and the 30 million ounces of, of resources that you see on paper, that is a fraction of the mineralization that is there. That's just a portion of one of the numerous veins that the company has access to through the Revenue Virginia's tunnel and through their claim package out there. And so I encourage you to take a look at this site tour video. You'll see what I mean about the future resource potential comes across. I go in the mountain thousands of feet, and then a few scenes later, you'll see us stand in 13,000 feet on top of the mountain. So it's beautiful scenery, and it'll also get you to see the potential of this company, which is why I invested in it. The website is arcana.com, and the ticker symbol is AUN in Toronto or AUNFF in New York. Well, we have returning guest on today's show, Dave Kranzler of Investment Research Dynamics. He's also the editor of the Mining Stock Journal and the co-producer of the Mining Stock Daily Podcast. So, Dave, thanks for joining me again today. Bill, thanks for having me on again. I, uh, I'm looking forward to watching that the, the video that you took of your mine tour in Ure. That When I lived in New York, I had a, a ski condo in Telluride, like before Telluride became a fancy place. And uh, in my opinion being a native from Colorado and have been all, you know, every part of the state, that particular area is probably the most beautiful part of Colorado. I agree. It is breathtaking scenery. Brought my drone, got drone shots. And like I told you before we hit record here, Dave, I thought about you when I was there because you're a Colorado native. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> At one time I did consider actually, you know, when I was moving back here from New York, I considered actually living in Telluride because I had the condo there. Well, let's jump into the precious metals. I hadn't focused as much on the price movement in silver in particular in the last week because I was focused on producing this video we just re referenced. And then I remember looking at it, it was $29. $29. I looked at it like, I don't know, half a day later, and then it was $23. And I'm like, what in the world just happened here? And then you look at it again 12 hours later, and it's up a couple bucks. What do you make of these multi-dollar per day rises and declines that we've seen occurring in silver recently? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you look at the price today and you fall asleep for a week, you probably wake up and it, it'll either be the same price or higher, <laughs> you know, and who knows what happens in between. Um, actually, you know, in all seriousness, well, you know, silver, silver is, it's a highly volatile uh, um, market 
for you know this, the market for silver, the trading market for silver is highly volatile because it's 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 tiny relative to most other commodities, um, and 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 certainly very tiny compared to gold. I I used to know the numbers in terms of you know the the dollar value of of above ground silver in the world versus above ground gold, and you know it's it's, it's to me it's kind of meaningless knowledge, but it, you know the point is is that um, silver is going to be more volatile than gold, and um, the, to the extent that uh, COMEX futures kind of leads the trading, um, and and the the COMEX silver market is is a lot smaller than the gold market. It it just kind of adds to the volatility. So, uh, I mean, in terms of what happened last week, um, you know, my first instinct having, you know, seen this type of price action intermittently for 20 years, you know, the 20 years that I've been involved in the sector and three years of intensively trading silver futures day in and day out was that it was a, you know, a manipulated price ambush by the banks, you know, on the COMEX and in, in cooperation with London, because a lot of the, a lot of the indicators that I watch to, to try and, and sense when I think a, a price ambush might be coming, and I kind of smelled this one, but it, it took longer to develop than I expected to. I mean, I have been telling my subscribers that I was, you know, for the last month that I had been expecting a, a some sort of correction. So, you know, let you know when I saw what happened last Tuesday, my instinct was, you know, this is just a typical bank ambush where they go and they dump a bunch of futures on the Comex <clears throat> to push the price down. You know, that's, you know, for, you know, all the reasons that we know that the banks want to try and, and at least contain the upward movement in, in uh, precious metals. Um, and they go and dump paper and, and try to trigger the stop losses that are set by hedge funds because the hedge funds are pri the, the biggest primary long side on the COMEX for gold and silver. And, and a lot of the hedge funds um, are geared to, you know, chasing momentum higher and setting trailing stop losses. So, um, but then I was I was talking with uh, a, a junior mining company CEO yesterday, and we were talking about that, and um, uh, and he he made the, a comment that I had to you know take pretty seriously, which was you know he goes it felt like a Paul Tudor Jones classic, you know uh, flush the market so that you can you can buy what you know tr you know buy what you're trying to buy in large quantity in, in in larger quantity and I'm not you know he wasn't saying that it was necessarily Paul Tudor Jones per se but then I was thinking about it and I was like you know the nature of that of that market action is you know like you described it silver you know you turn on your screens and silver's down over three bucks and then the next day you turn on your screens and silver's up you know it's reclaimed what 75 percent of that price hit and and historically, when we've seen just a shock and awe um, sell-off, you know, shock and awe, you know, half-day sell-off in the metals like we saw last Tuesday, and the banks are behind it, there's usually follow-through on that. You know, you're, you get like, you know, a couple step function or, or more than one step function down day in a row, and the technical damage lasts for, you know, a couple weeks to a couple months. In other words, you don't get a V bounce back like we've seen at least so far. Uh, that's not to say that there's not another down leg coming. I mean, no one knows. No one can answer that question. And it's certainly within the realm of possibility. But 
if we don't get a down leg like we saw, then then that was what we saw last Tuesday was an operation by someone. Could have been the banks trying to cover shorts before the metals go higher, because we know the Fed's going to have to print a lot more money. And the federal government's already announced, you know, a massive boatload of new treasury issuance between now and the end of the year. And it's probably going to increase even more by the time we get to the fourth quarter than what they've announced so far. Um, so it could have been the banks, you know, looking to do a, a, a quick hit operation to, to because they've been trying to, you know, if you watch the commitment of traders report, the banks in general have been trying to reduce their net short exposure to paper, gold and silver. Or it could have been someone like a Paul Tudor Jones who went in there and said, OK, <laughs> this market is technically overextended. I know there's a lot of stop losses set on the long side. I'm going to go flush the market and, and uh, I'll be the buyer when I'm done flushing it. And, you know, they know that it's going to cause a V bounce because all of a sudden there's big, big bids in the market again. And one of the things that for me, at least that, you know, that version of what may have happened makes a little bit of sense is that if if last Tuesday was a bank led operation, we would have seen the open interest go down the next day in gold. And in fact, I again, off the top of my head, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think the the gold open interest, I didn't really pay attention to silver, but um, the gold, the COMEX gold open interest went up by over 3,000 contracts. So, um, you know, it, it looks to me like some, you know, there wasn't, I mean, there probably was a lot of short covering by some entities in there, but on a net basis, there were, there were net buyers on, on, um, on Tuesday. So, um, you know, it's, again, you never know for sure what exactly happened, but, um, you know, in my mind, it, it was either a bank a bank raid that we've seen, you know, typical of what we've seen over the last 20 years, or at least I've seen, or it could have been a motivated buyer who, um, and if you read, like, I don't know if you ever read, um, I think it's called like Memoirs of a Stock Operator or something. It's it's Jesse Livermore who wrote the book, and he describes how, how um, you know, stock operators back in the 20s, and it's, I mean, it, it you know, it's, it, it's that this type of behavior goes on, you know, it's gone on since then and it goes on every day, you know, how how a, a stock operator will plunge the market to to put on a long position at lower prices. So, um, you know, the more I think about it, you know, that that possibility, I think, is 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 just as strong as a bank raid. So, Dave, based on your two decades of experience observing the silver market, should investors in this silver bull market just understand that it's par for the course for these 15% beatdowns that immediately pop back up 8% once they, once they hit the bottom? Uh, <laughs> I don't know that's necessarily par for the course. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, it, it, for really the last 12 months, the beatdowns have been sharp and short-lived. And, you know, you can go look at, say, just look, look at a 60-minute chart over the last year, and you can see when there's a sharp, when there's a one-day sharp drop or a two-day sharp drop, it bounces back really quickly. And to me, that tells me that, you know, the collective, whoever they are out there, and, you know, it's, it's the collective, they could be retail all the way to, you know, extremely wealthy, sophisticated traders and investors, um, they're buying the sell-offs. And that's that's characteristic of a bull market. So um, I think just in general, um, I think if you're going to 
traffic or play or invest in the precious metal sector, you got to brace yourself for a lot of volatility. And, and the volatility is exacerbated by the official intervention that, that um, gets injected into the market every now and then. I mean, unlike the stock market where the Fed and the, and the, and the Treasury Department are in supporting stocks, you know, and, and putting a floor in on sell-offs, um, you know, those two entities would prefer to see the precious metals um, go a lot lower. So, you know, you're, you're, you're swimming upstream to begin with, but it just tells you how powerful this bull market is right now in the precious metals. When you analyze the valuation, the current valuation of the miners, what do you think, what, what gold or silver price do you think they're factoring in? I've heard people say like 1750 gold. What's your analysis here? That again, that that's something that's that's really highly subjective. Um, I don't know how someone would would say with conviction. Oh yeah, you know the the GD the level on the GDX right now is pricing in seventeen fifty gold. I mean, how on earth do you figure that out? I, I'm I don't know. <laughs> um, what I would say is that you know generally, and I think it works. The, I think price discovery works the best in the mining stocks because, because the, you know, the, the Fed's basically removed price discovery from the stock market. But I, I think it, I think it still is in effect with the mining stocks, and because you know the Fed's removed the risk from general stocks like Amazon and Tesla, right? Um, but there's not a Fed put for mining stocks. Uh, you know, BlackRock's not out there buying G the GLD or, or the G GDX ETF. The, you know, it's buying every other freaking ETF under the sun that's full of crap. But um, um, what I would say is that the run-up that we saw in the sector from, from mid-March until last week, or, you know, wherever the market kind of topped out temporarily, I would say that the because the mining stocks outperformed on a percentage basis, they outperformed the metals by several multiples, right? Um, so I would say that the mining stocks had were were discounting the a move to two thousand on gold and a move over twenty on silver. I mean, I don't think anyone, on um, you know on that on this last kind of run up i don't think anyone saw high 20s in silver coming i mean i i had been saying i thought gold would would hit 2000 before uh labor day weekend if if not sooner or by labor day weekend if not sooner but um i didn't really i mean i said maybe silver gets to the low to mid 20s cuz silver had been so sluggish and for as hard as it was for gold to get over 1900 I mean, it, it seemed like it took forever for silver to, to push through 19 and 20. So um, I, I would say that the move in the mining stocks discounted most of the move that we saw in gold and silver. And and um, if you noticed, the mining stocks um, were were weak probably four or five days before the, the price hit on gold and silver. So the Mining stocks, I think, already started discounting some type of price correction before the metals, and that—that's typically what happens. Is is the mining stocks will will start to um, lag, and even you know have days where the mining stocks might decline on days when the metals are, are still going higher. So, um, I mean, I guess what I would probably feel comfortable saying is that um, on the assumption that 
the sell-off in gold and silver is largely over, you know, meaning we saw the bottoms already last week. I would say the mining stocks probably, you know, maybe grind sideways for a bit. And then um, once the metals, you know, give us a clear indication that they're going to start moving higher again, I think I think um, the, we'll start to see the mining stocks uh, once again discount, um, you know, higher prices for gold and silver by the end of the year. And again, I don't want to put any um, price forecasts on any of that just because it's it's volatile and it's there's heavy intervention, at, you know, most of the time. So, um, I mean, what I would feel comfortable saying is that, you know, between now and the end of the year, you know, by the end of the year, I think the entire sector will be higher, you know, but what price path it takes, I have no idea. And no one does. When, when you saw that powerful move that we saw these last two and a half weeks where silver nearly, you know, got to $30, and then you also saw that the miners were telegraphing there'd probably be a pullback in the precious metals. Did you trim some of your winners at that point to then reallocate that cash once you thought it bottomed out at 25 or wherever the price would have uh, bottomed out at? Well, you know, that's a good question. And I get that a lot from my subscribers. And I mean, it's impossible to like time a market perfectly. No one's going to time the top perfectly or the bottom perfectly unless they get lucky. And anyone who says they do it consistently is lying or is delusional and, and maybe does it on a, in a paper account, not a real account like Dennis Gartman, who, you know, his, his, his newsletters were based on paper trades. So you notice he would say, we were buying one unit of this because <laughs> it was, it was all, it was all pay, paper portfolio. But, um, I actually started, um, you know, and again, I, I get this question a lot from my subscribers because I had several picks that, as did everyone, who that tripled and quadrupled between March and and um, you know mid to late July, and you know they're like, you know what, should I take profits? Blah blah, you know. And I was like, look, you, if you get a triple or quadruple in any stock, I don't care what it is, you got to take some money off the table, you know, at the very least raise some funds because it's not going to go up forever. And at some point, there's going to be a price correction and you want to have cash. So if you still like the story and you think it'll even go higher, you want to be able to add to your position at a lower level. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I started raising a lot of cash um, four weeks ago. You know, and, and not like I sold half of my portfolio, but I probably took my cash level up from, say, 5% to 15%. And then over the last couple of weeks, I've, I've been, you know, in and out of, of uh, hedges. So and, and, you know, the hedge worked great on Tuesday, but before Tuesday and after Tuesday, it's, it's been kind of a zero sum game. So that, that's another reason why it kind of feels to me like, you know, we're going to probably see, you know, a little more downside volatility. But I, I think we saw the lows last week. And I think at some point we'll move higher because. Like, you know, again, at some point, the fundamentals are going to dictate that the Fed's going to have to start printing a lot more money again. Dave, when you get emails from your subscribers, does it primarily have to do with, is this sell-off over or should I sell? Have we reached a top? Are those the primary questions you get? Um, you know, I get a whole plethora of, of questions. Um, you know, it's like, you know, what, you know, should I, do you still like this stock? You know, it's, it's sold out, you know, it's, it's pulled back 2%. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, 2%, that's nothing. These things go down 20% in a day for no reason. <laughs> yeah. So like I answered some emails this morning, you know, it's like, 
for, Fortuna missed by a penny. And, and you know, do you still feel the same way about it? It's it's down. Should I buy shares on, on this? And I pull up Fortuna, it's down like 12 cents. I thought it was going to be down 30 or 40 cents. I was hoping for that because I want to add to my position. And my answer was, Look, first of all, Fortuna, their numbers were affected heavily because of the, you know, the virus crisis. I mean, they had uh, their primary operating mine was shut down for half of the second quarter. So yeah, of course their numbers aren't going to look good, and you know the market knows that, and it doesn't surprise me that they miss because, you know, you don't know exactly to what extent your your um, overhead allocation is is going to affect your earnings when your volume's down, right? So yeah, your your costs go up when you're when you're the volume that you're processing goes down. And I said, look, Fortuna's not about what happened in the second quarter. First of all, it's going to report great numbers for the third quarter just because of the massive move we've had in gold and silver. But it's about um, you know the the opening of the Lindero mine down in in Argentina, and that thing's going to be a major league cash cash cow. And every dollar the price of gold goes up adds a dollar to to um, you know, to the gold that is sold, you know, from the that Fortuna keeps from the gold that's sold, right? Because because the right now the price of gold is so far above their all-in sustaining costs that you know every price rise in 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 the price of gold that they can realize by selling gold it, it goes right to the bottom line. So that you know, yeah, I mean, I really was hoping Fortuna would get hit hard, and it, it didn't get hit hard today because I think the market understands that. And that's the reason why you'd want some cash on hand, like you were talking about earlier. Yeah, and it's you know again when when what I what I preface with you know when I get this question, should I take profits or or you know not? And it's like, look, you know, everyone has their own risk return preferences. If you got a triple or a quadruple, I don't care what your risk return preferences are. Sell at least a third of the position, you know, because then you've got no money invested in the name, and you can just write it, and then and you're not worried about downside volatility, <laughs> you know? So, um, and that's the thing. I think I think people kind of get brainwashed by seeing these insanely overvalued tech stocks just go up every day. Um, but quite frankly, the mining stocks, a lot of the junior mining stocks have outperformed every stock on the New York Stock Exchange since, since mid-March. And Dave, Fortuna was a pick you shared on this show after you shared it, of course, with your subscribers. I think you shared it about four months ago or so. Any other picks as we kind of wrap this up that you'd be willing to share with uh, my listeners? Sure. And, um, you know, again, I want to preface this by saying um, I don't I don't receive, you know, sponsorship money or promotional money from any mining stock companies. I don't I don't read any, you know, other research. I, I just kind of I do my own research. I make sure I talk to the companies I invest in or I recommend in my mining stock journal. And I, I keep in touch with the companies, and and so you know my analysis is 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 all my own, and my opinions are all my own, and you know I I also like you know emphasize that um in general I like to look for junior mining stock ideas that are kind of the junior venture capital companies that are not well followed, right? I mean once once like someone like Rick Rule starts you know, starts promoting a company, I mean, everybody knows about it, right? And it's, it's, I want to get in before guys, guys like that are promoting companies. So um, I, I like to look for companies that are, um, 
you know, their market cap is under 20 million and they, they tend to be risky, you know, high, high risk, high reward companies. And I, and I always caution that, you know, if you're going to play this stock, um, <laughs> just be aware that you might lose 50% to all your money in it. And, uh, you know, in return for that, you, you know, you have the potential for a five or 10 bagger on a stock. So, um, um, and not all my, not all my picks in the mining stock journal are, are those types of stocks. I actually started looking at, um, what I consider to be undervalued near producing or producing companies. So, um, uh, an undervalued, what I think a, an undervalued near, near producing company that, um, you know, is, is extremely high grade silver is Alexco resources. And I'm sure almost everyone listening to this knows that company, but I took a, a pretty in-depth look at it a couple weeks ago. And, um, I actually started buying it at, at two bucks and I informed my subscribers that I, I was buying it at $2, $2.10. And I said, look, I think it's a good idea, but I haven't done thorough work on it. So, but I will, you know, in the next issue or two, I'll put my analysis in it. And I put my analysis in it last week after chatting with the company about it. And, um, I, I mean, just, just where the company stands right now in terms of its existing resource and, you know, what, what it's, you know, uh, production forecasts are going to be, it, it's probably slightly undervalued and it will outperform its peers as the price of silver goes higher. It'll probably underperform its peers as the price of silver goes lower. But where I think there's some, junior like upside potential returns is in the the potential uh you know like arcana like the potential expansion of the resource i mean they they've only explored something like 10 percent of their of their property and and so and and the silver itself that's in the resource is extremely high grade so um you know when you have like a a really high grade resource versus a medium grade resource it, it that that resource becomes even that much more valuable when the price of silver goes higher. So um, Alesco is one that I, I really like. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned uh, Ely Gold Royalties on, on this show. We've talked about that one a couple of times, yep. Yeah, and so you know, and that's one I started buying a while ago at 30 cents, and I, I think that's about where I had put it in my mining stock journal, but even over a dollar, like I, I think it's like around a buck 20 now. And I think it ran up to as high as maybe a buck fifty, and then had a big, big sell-off. But um, I, I think Ely um, is in the early stages of of potentially being a several hundred million dollar market cap um, royalty company if it doesn't get acquired before then. So, um, in fact, uh, I just <laughs> I should have known this, but I I, I didn't, um, or I should have remembered this. Uh, U.S. Gold. I'm sure you. Um, They've been in the news, haven't they? Right. So, and that you know, that's another stock that I, I really like here, and I, I think that the the market liked it too. It went up 16 percent on the news. Yeah. Oh no. It, it's it's uh, that that acquisition they did is transformative. But I'll get to that in a second. But uh, uh, as it turns out, the the um, company that they merged with has uh, the Chalice Gold project in Idaho, and it's got an existing. Uh, 300, call it a 300,000 ounce, 43101 resource that's that's out of date. And I was talking with the the guy who um, 
founded the company and, and um, you know, basically his company owned the mine, Northern Panther. I was talking with him on the phone yesterday. Very, very, uh, Bob, Bob Schaffer, he's very, very uh, respected uh, mining engineer. And um, uh, he, uh, he had mentioned that, because I asked him, well, you know, how did you come across the property? And he said, well, um, I knew about the, the mine and I knew about the property and when I went to, you know, look into it to, you know, I was looking for a project to work on, you know, that I could have my, you know, I wanted to develop a mine. He goes, it turned out Ely Gold Royalties had already staked the claims on the, on the resource area. <laughs> and so he, he optioned it from, from Ely Gold and Ely Gold, I think, I think he said they have a two and a half percent SR on it now. And this is a mine that, um, or a, a resource that is potentially, you know, three times larger than than the existing outdated 43101. And it's it's it, it sounds like, again, I don't know what the time frame would be, but it sounds like, you know, once they decide to um, put in a mine there, it won't take it won't take a long time to get it from where it is to into production, <coughs> especially since it's not on any federal land. And um, so they won't have to deal with um, federal permitting. And um, obviously, Idaho is a very friendly uh, mining state. So, um, you know, that's that's yet another royalty that that is probably, I don't know, two to three years away from from starting to pay for Ely. So over that, they've got I think they got two current pay royalties and maybe three now, actually. And, um, you know, it's another situation where, you know, over the next two or three years, they're going to have a lot more royalties that start to kick in. And the upside leverage to gold is just enormous with these with these royalty companies, as you know. So um, getting to U.S. gold, um, I, I haven't written up anything yet. It's going to be in my next mining stock journal. Um, and, I, you know, I want to save the, the fine details for my subscribers. But um, I'll just say that uh, and I, I wouldn't recommend chasing the stock here because I, I think it probably will settle in. At a, at a lower price, I think it, it ran up in the, in the excitement over the transaction. But I mean, U.S. Gold now has four properties, any one of which could be a company maker, meaning any one of which could take this from being, you know, let's say pro forma, the deal they just did. Um, it's about $60, 60 million dollar market cap company right now, roughly, um, you know. Any one of these projects could could you know transform this company into uh, a stock that has a market cap of a couple hundred million dollars. So, um, I'll um you know maybe next time I come on the show on the show I you know maybe I'll share my analysis on that. But I want to I want to make sure my subscribers see it first. Dave, thank you for sharing those tidbits. You've gotten a lot of leads for companies to research with from Dave today. If you want to get Dave's service or read his weekly blog, please go to investmentresearchdynamics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes below. As always, Dave, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your insights. Hey, my pleasure, Bill. Thanks for having me on. It was great chatting with you.
Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks concomitant with that if you don't do the work or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too i just started to study up on mining stocks and i just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really you could do really really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly the mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.